Welcome to C-Suite Radio. Welcome to Mitchell Levy Presents AHA Moments. Mitchell is a thought leader, entrepreneur, and TEDx speaker who helps you think big and lead an authentic life. Each week, Mitchell gives leaders the inspiration they need to make a greater impact and share their genius with the world. Now, here's Mitchell Levy. Hi, I'm Mitchell Levy, global credibility expert. And on this episode of Mitchell Levy Presents AHA Moments, we're pulling from Grow Your 1099 with Josh Jones and Mitchell Levy. And we're pulling an episode, and I absolutely love this episode. A gentleman by the name of Richard Howell. And Grow Your 1099 is about focusing on the door-to-door industry, the door-to-door sales increasing. I mean, if, if you ever want to figure out how to be a really good salesperson, try knocking on doors. You have no warm calls, right? And uh, Richard, according to Josh, is one of the top 10 people in the world in door-to-door selling. So if you're interested in hearing about some tricks, some tips, some techniques, um, this is definitely the episode to, to listen to. Anyhow, if you like what you hear, please click on the like button, share with your friends, and subscribe to our channel. Hi, this is Mitchell Levy, the AHA guy from AHA That, and I'm excited about what we've been doing on Grow Your 1099, and Josh, take it away. I am super excited for our special guest today. Um, this is this is Josh. I've got to do my intro. This is Josh, the author of 300K at 26, and I'd like to introduce Richard Howell. So Richard is probably one of the top people in my industry in the whole world. Um, well, that's a, that's a nice, oh, come on, Richard. I would have seen a crack smile on that one. I mean, yeah, that's pretty, that's a, that's about the best intro I've ever heard. One of, one of the best in the, in the world. And uh, so a couple, couple things that just um, when I think about Richard, Howell, there's a couple of things that I think of. One of them is, his car. So he drives a Corvette that's faster than anybody needs on any street in America, um, which is pretty awesome. And then the other thing is there was a record that Richard set. And I, I don't know if the record still stands or not, but it was the number of installations that he did personally in a single quarter that was what what was the the total number richard uh that was 65 and yes 65. it still stands and it still stands and with that so 65 in one quarter and my best quarter ever was 33 and he basically doubled the best that i've ever done and so the thought that i had when when i was asking richard to uh, come and and be, uh, be on the show was it was like maybe Mark Cuban going to Bill Gates and saying, Hey, Bill, I, I want to hear from you. What are the insights that you have, how you became so successful? And so basically you're, 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 you're my Bill Gates, Richard. So I, I really look <laughs> up to you. Uh, you're one of, one of the leaders and the pioneers in, in this industry. And so it's, it's really an honor to, to have you have you on the show with us. I really appreciate that. Thanks, Josh. Good to be here. So we wanted to wanted to start out just with a couple of questions for you. 
And actually, the first question has to do with the the intro. And I actually, we we had a call, a training that you did recently where you had a little bit of Q&A that you did at the end. And I was wanting more. I was wanting more from what you were talking about. One of the things that, that was discussed was that quarter that you had where you you basically, you just had a, you know, an incredible, incredible quarter. What, what did it take to get to that point? What were the specific things that you saw um, either immediately leading up to it or just throughout your, your life, your college experience, high school, like everything leading up to it? What were some, some key things? Uh, well, just initially, as far as the, I think that that quarter is concerned, um, the crazy thing is I don't think it took any of the gal- any like gallant effort. It wasn't anything out of the ordinary as much as it was taking the level of consistency that I kept all the time and just cranking it up a little bit. Um, and it was just a matter of expanding that consistent effort, you know, an extra hour in the morning, an extra hour at night, those kind of just additional time put into it. Um, can yield, you know, compound effects, right? So just a little bit more time, I think, was really the biggest difference. And then as soon as I got somewhat close, and that was in there, it was in, there, it was in sight that I could get to that and uh, hold that record, um, from there it was just blood in the water. So it, it, at the end of the quarter, definitely cranked up from there. Um, now, you want me to go back before work and talk a little about some things that led up to it as well? Yeah, yeah if you could, that'd be awesome. Um, yeah, I mean, so I guess if you go... I don't know how far back we want to go, but um, I think initially a lot of it goes back to the work ethic that my parents ingrained in me as a kid. You know, when we when we were out doing chores or doing something like that, I didn't have a type of parents that just said, hey, I need you to do this chore. It was a, hey, let's go outside and I'll do it with you. Um, and they would show me how to do it and get the speed going and do it at the right pace and help me f- complete tasks. And it was like, cool, now that you know how to do it, now go do it three more times, four more times. And so a lot of my work ethic was developed by working alongside my parents who had great work ethic, whether that be working for my dad for a little while or whether it just be, you know, typical chores, yard work, you know, those type of things. Um, and then kind of going from there, I think I learned a lot of that as well, serving a mission for my church. We definitely work a very stringent schedule when it came to just every day. It was consistent every single day and never really stopped, right? Um, so a lot of that came through there as far as just talking to people and learning to put in the same effort that you want every day to get the result you need. Um, then going from there, I guess when I started with the job, um, I would say sales somewhat came a little bit natural to me as far as my ability to communicate and talk with people. So my first sales uh, job was actually doing door to door and I was working for a satellite company. So I worked actually for Edition Direct TV, just selling TV. Um, everybody loved to talk about it. So that was always nice, but I was able to go out my first year. Um, I sold more than anybody else did that year with the company that I worked for. Um, and then same thing too. It was like one of those, uh, I, I, I'm always one that never feels like I'm doing anything extraordinary, but I am working the hours that I need to work and I'm doing that every day. And I think that's really what makes the biggest difference. So what does that, what does that mean? What's a, What's your, let's say, let's start with what's your routine in the morning? What do you wake up to do pretty much every day? Um, well, every day uh, I wake up and help get my kids ready for school. So that's the first thing I'll do every day. 
Um, once we have the kids up, get breakfast ready, get them out the door. Um, then I'm usually going to go over what I call like my bucket list, which is I'm going to go through some of my accounts and see which ones I can and progress something with that day. Um, and then from there, if my calendar hopefully usually has appointments and things for me to go do, uh, if it doesn't, then I'm just getting out and I'm hitting the doors. I'll usually, uh, try on a average day if I don't have any meetings outside of my normal just knocking hours um, then I'll chunch with my wife spend some time with her and then I'm out on the doors by 12 1 o'clock and doing that until it gets dark or a little past and then I have a few appointments after that and that varies a little bit depending if I'm doing more of my um, leadership roles or more of just my selling role so the actual selling so it sounds like for most people by the time you get out the door, the part of the morning has already gone. So you're basically structuring yourself, getting your ready, you know, lining things up, communicating with people in the morning time, besides the family stuff that you do, which sounds nice. Yeah, for sure. And I definitely, I'm trying to, I'm trying to have my day planned and ready fairly early. I'm the kind of guy that like, I get up right away and get ready. And if I don't do that, then I end up wanting to be somewhat lazy that day. So I get up, get ready right away. And, Get, get things in gear from the beginning. The busier I am, the better I perform. So then you you had alluded to the fact that you put in the hours that you need to do. What does that mean to you? What type of hours do you put in? Um, I would probably say direct, um, you know, knocking or just working in general, just thinking about work. I'll leave, I'll leave that up to you. So that's always a little tricky because um, there's some things that I do that probably most people consider work and then that I wouldn't necessarily consider work. So until I'm actually like putting my fist on wood, I don't technically consider myself working most of the time. Um, so even going through my accounts, that sort of thing just kind of feels like part of my day. Um, when I'm actually out feet on the grind talking to people, that's work in my mind. Um, the rest of it's all just kind of preparatory, you know, going throughout my day and just getting things done that I know I need to. But if I combined all that together, I would say I'm probably at least 70, 80 hours of doing the before stuff, you know, getting ready, prepping for the day, account management, talking to customers, and then actually, you know, feet in the street, I'm knocking on doors, that sort of thing. And then in that 70 to 80 hours, what percentage is actually knocking on doors? Maybe 20. Wow. Okay. So the, week. Weeks are different. The, and then I also, in my mind, appointments don't count as not as working in my head. I'm weird that way. So if like, if I have an appointment with somebody, I don't consider myself working. Like, I oh, I see. So, so here's what I'm hearing. Just so, so you love what you do. And so most of what you do, do is play. Right? I mean, it, and cause to me, yeah. as part of what my TED talk, if work equals play, we play all the time. So the thing that's actually worked for you is the, when you're actually hitting the knock that you're knocking. Yeah. Cold calling. Right. Which is about four, four hours a day or four or five hours a day. You're knocking the rest. You're, you're sort of structuring everything to make it work for you. Yeah. For appointments and structures. Yep. Exactly. That sounds wonderful. Yeah, what, Josh, what do you like about that? I, I saw you smiling, and I, I, they were either insightful or you're like jealous, or what's the? Ah, just that that goes right along with what you said about if you enjoy what you you do, you don't even consider it work. Like 
I'm just imagining like somebody sitting down and, and reading the newspaper and it's just like, no, I'm, I'm not working. But Richard sounds like he's sitting down and he's reading about his customers and figuring out what to do with his customers next. And that's almost like his equivalent of sitting down and reading the newspaper. Actually, that's a great, it's a great analogy because it, it is, I mean, isn't that what you're doing when you're reading the newspaper? You're reading about other people. And so if you're reading about your accounts, aren't you just reading about other people? It's almost the same. I mean, yeah. you know, you could define a difference, but uh, I kind of like it. Yeah. Well, it, it seems like the the part that he actually considers work is it's, you know, the cold calling, which is, it's the most grueling part of the whole sales process. It's, it's this part where I, I don't know if it's, if it's still the same for you, you Richard, but. I'm sure you, you, do you, do you still get a pit in your stomach when you go out and you knock a, a door, fresh door? The first door always have it. Yeah. Yeah. Once you get past the first door, it's gone, but the first door is always there. Yeah. So that's, that's actually, I had a, uh, a manager once who uh, is actually my first, first manager when I started working for Vivint said, do whatever you can to possibly knock the first door. So he would say, go and find a door that you knew you couldn't sell. Like you knew it's like they're, they're going to be too old. Their house is, you know, they're going to fail credit or just, you know, they're not going to be able to get it. Just go talk to that person to get out of your car get the jitters out, get a, get a pitch out and then, and then move, move forward. That's actually kind of smart. Fail quickly. Yeah. Yeah. We we had that philosophy in Silicon Valley too. So one of the things that I, I caught from your, uh, when you were talking about your, uh, your childhood was you were talking about how your parents worked alongside you to teach mm-hmm. you how to, to work or how to do the job and do it correctly. How do you think that specifically has impacted you either in your personal selling or your management or just your, your life in general? Um, I think it, I mean, Kind of the most obvious one. It's helped giving me the um, the roadmap of how I want to manage and help lead people as well. So if I I want someone to go knock, I'm gonna take them, hold them by the hand, say, "Here's how I do it." You see how I did it? Okay, now go do it yourself. Um, so I think that's probably the first thing as far as just when it comes to managing. I think it's important to be that person out in the field with your with it with everybody and not just the one point back saying go to work. Um, and I think I try to maintain that philosophy when I'm talking with my kids. And even if I'm, you know, anything really, or I'm going to be willing to do whatever I'm asking someone else to do. That's, that's like the, the philosophy of, I think it was, was it Alexander the Great who would actually go with his troops? Or there was, there was some, some famous military leader who would actually, who would never do anything that he didn't, or never ask his troops to do anything that he himself wasn't, wasn't willing to do. I feel like it was Alexander the great, but that's, that's really just an an awesome philosophy. And because I work for the same company, I know that, that, that mentality is kind of ingrained in the roots of the leadership. It's this idea of, um, they always say lead from the front where the person who manages and leads leads an office leads a team needs to be the one who's out there on the front lines just leading the charge and not just saying hey go work it's hey come follow me i'm going to show you what to do and let's let's get it done together so 
Richard, I'm kind of curious, is, is there something you do that you think other people are not doing that, that all they had to do is do that, that one thing, whatever that is. Um, as far as just kind of work ethic or just anything. Well, I was, I was leaning towards worth that work ethic, but if work equals play and you play all the time, it could be anything you want. Um, I think on the work ethic, um, a lot of people are satisfied to end the day regardless of the results. Um, for me, it's consistent effort, but I'm not satisfied to go home until I've accomplished the result I have as well. So if that means that I have to push an extra little bit to make sure I don't go home without something on the board, then I need to push the extra, I'll push the extra little bit to get something on the board. Um, and I think a lot of people, they might work the hours, but they might be just as satisfied the full day's work, even if, you know, there's nothing to hang on the board. Right. I try to tend not to be satisfied with that. Hmm. No, I think, that's, I think that's really interesting. Cause we've, we've had people who they say, Oh, the biggest secret to, to my success is I work the hours, not the numbers. And yours is you work the hours and the numbers. I like, I like that. It's, yeah. it's a get it, get it done no matter what attitude. One of the, it wasn't, I didn't come up with it originally, but one of my, favorite phrase that I kind of hold dear to my heart is, you know, beat everyone despite everything. You just find a way to win regardless of what's happening, what situation you're in. And that's something I try to live by. Now you can't really, can you teach that? Is that, is that a teachable? It could be. I think it is. I think it's learnable. I'm not sure if it's something necessarily fully teachable. I think it's something that you kind of, have to learn um, through your own effort and time because it's almost like uh, I think it's almost like motivate like it's almost like true motivation it just has to come in I mean you can help maybe lead and guide someone towards learning that but I think they have to actually learn it I don't think you can straight teach them got it it's it's a learnable moment so I'm wondering if you can trace back and you, you you mentioned that you had your parents who they, they taught you, they led you. You mentioned, mentioned you had you know, mission, mission trip where you, you, you worked a lot. Was there, was there a moment maybe just in your life where you all of a sudden realized you're like, you know what? I, I have this mantra, this idea of beat everyone despite everything. Was there, was there a moment where you think you, you kind of recognize that in yourself? Um, I think that probably when I really started to recognize that was probably just a few years ago. Um, I think a lot of my success through the past has just kind of happened and it wasn't always by design and by purpose. Um, and I think once I found myself hitting a certain level of it, then I started to pay more attention to it. And when I got into a role, when it was my job to start working on being coming duplicable and teaching other people what I do, and I do a lot of kind of introspection that way, then I started to realize, Hey, you know, actually you do have those things. You do think that way. Um, and then it became an even stronger thing and a stronger part of my kind of belief factor when I'm working. What it sounds like, uh, being a mentor was helpful for you. It sounds like your parents were mentors to you. Uh, is there another mentor that you've had in your career that's been helpful? Um, 
about that first. There's been a lot, a lot of people that I've, I've learned that probably things I've learned quite a few things from. Um, I don't know if there's any one person as much as um, a conglomerate of people that I've taken little bits and pieces from. So, gotcha. whether, you know, putting a whole bunch of pieces together and then that's helped kind of me in that push me in that direction. What are, what are the settings that you, that you had all of that, that conglomerate? Was it, um, was it books? Was it in person? Was it um, training? Like what, what was the setting? To where, um, where I had those influences, you mean? Yes. Um, so some of it would just be watching people that didn't know I was watching them. Um, so that would be, you know, watching the person working on the other side of the country and just seeing what they're doing and being blown away by it. And then I call them and say, what the heck are you doing? Let's talk for a minute. Um, I, I'd say some of it probably comes from books for sure. There's been some definitely books that have helped that way. And then most of it would just be um, just really watching people around. I think you can learn from anybody regardless of their um, stature or their success uh, if you're just willing to kind of watch and pay attention. Yeah, so you can – I like that. You can learn from anyone even if doesn't doesn't matter their what do you say their their stature or, um, I mean their their stature their success their position um, I think I mean really doesn't matter anything you can go around and you can spend your whole day talking to you know homeless people on the street and learn some wonderful things yeah. you can go talk to the most wealthy people and not learn much I mean you can talk to it just depends on who you're talking to and um, I think you can learn from anybody that is a really valid and and worthwhile point i uh i was at an event the other day and the person there was talking about the fact that a professional basketball player a you know a seven no eight figure a year professional basketball player would go and sit in the back uh unknown uh in the in the back of a high school game whenever he could just to watch the players because he would learn from these unknown high school players because, you know, when you're a kid and you're trying new stuff, they would, they would try stuff that nobody else was doing. And then he'd, he'd come home after seeing something amazing and he would practice it. And apparently his coach said, well, how long are you going to practice it? And his response was your response, Richard. His response was in toll. I'm going to practice it in toll, which meant that until you got it right. And just keep doing it and doing it and doing it to you to hit your goals, hit your numbers. You never stop. That's cool. Yeah. Interesting. So what's, uh, do you have a couple books that were your favorite books from that learning? Um, I feel like I always remember my most recent ones that I've read, but, um, some of the ones that I think probably had some of the earlier influences. So speaking of the word, how to win friends and influence people. I really did enjoy that book. I think it um, has really basic principles on how to just be a decent person. Um, let's see. Some of the, oh, actually, about, the ones that's a great, on. that's a great book. Um, love it. Great book. Yeah. Um, I read a, a book on man's search for meaning. I don't know if you read that one. No. Interesting. Victor, Victor Frankel. It's by, by, Victor Frankel, yeah, he's a um, Auschwitz survival survivor, and he's actually a psychologist, and it's all about um, the mindset of how you overcome 
basically the most craziest things in the world and kind of the mindset that it takes to go do that. That was a book that I really enjoy as well. Recently read. There's a nice. lot that I could keep going on that, but. Hmm. Trying to think other questions I would have. Oh, this is, this is a thought that's been on my mind um, recently. I'm, I'm reading a book right now called uh, the innovators dilemma by Clayton M. Christensen. Nice. And the, the whole foundation of the book, the question that he was asking at the beginning, one of, one of the two questions was, why is it so difficult to sustain success over long periods of time? And just looking at you, looking at your history with, with this industry specifically, you've maintained incredible success, like off the charts success for longer than just about anybody else in the world. Again, as we said, in the world, you're, you are one of the top. Uh, what, what do you think holds people back just from what you've seen? Because you, you've basically kept going when everybody else on either side of you is, is given up or stopped or slowed down. What do you think is holding people back from sustaining success over a long period of time? Um, I think probably just a, a valid enough reason. Like why do you, you want it why do you want to be successful what's the purpose if you if you don't have enough of a reason and it's got to be something besides economics in my opinion um i think that's probably what holds most people back frankly they either they're they're they don't they start with a certain why they had a reason why they wanted to work and why they wanted to be successful and maybe their goals weren't big enough and they hit it and they kind of go cool uh, maybe it was income based and they got some money and they go cool <laughs> i got some money um, I don't know. I think, I think a big part of it, at least what's helped me hard to kind of speak on other people's um, thing. But for me, it's been a strong reason why I want to be successful. You know, the, the reason behind it all is strong enough to keep me going. And so that begs the next question. What's your why? What is it? Um, I, the obvious, most straightforward one is my family. Um, the majority of the time, the reason why I will push past that last, you know, no to make sure I don't go home without a no. And so that I don't have to come home and tell my wife I didn't get anything. Um, just to see, just to be able to come home and be like, yeah, I got one. She's, she doesn't even do much anymore, but she's like, oh, good job. And just to get that little, oh, good job is like enough for me to work another two or three hours. Um, that's a big part of it. I, I also hate to lose. And so, you know, being the best, the best that I can and beating people is, is a motivation for me for sure. Interesting. So I like, I like that. It, so you you have a goal then of closing at least one every time you walk out the door. Yep, putting something on the board every day. And and Josh, would that be something spectacular to be able to do? Well, if you close one every single day, you go out and work. Um, in in reality, it's not. It, it wouldn't be super difficult to do for a couple weeks, a few weeks, a couple months even, but to consistently do that over the course of years, that's, that's the piece right there that it's just, how do you, how do you do that? How do you keep going for that long? 
for me, I mean, it's obviously, it's always been my, it's always been the goal of mine. It hasn't been something that I've been able to accomplish every day. Uh, um, but that's a big driving force of what I'll do, whether that be starting the process with somebody or finishing the process with somebody. Um, it's making, you know, getting a win one way or another and gaining new business somehow, shape or form. So Richard, what happens if you, you start your day and the first, if your goal is to, to close at least one a day and your first two doors, you closed one each, do you call it a day or do you keep going? I keep going. So that's I kind of need the answer, but I thought I'd ask. Yeah. I mean, so, I mean, I, I do believe in the law of averages and I do believe that someday, no matter how many hours you put in, you're just going to get, get raked over the coals and just nothing's going to work out for you. But as long as you're, when the days on the stars align, you push hard on those days, it'll make up tenfold for any of the days that they don't. So I'm hearing strong work ethic. I'm hearing the ability to learn and communicate with anybody because you never know where those lessons will come from. I'm hearing that you don't consider other than knocking on doors, everything else is fun. And I'm hearing the why is your family. What have we missed? What, what else, what else drives you? Um, Trust me. You know, I think, I mean, honestly, it really, as far as the driving force for me, it, it really does go back to my family. I mean, that's really the, just getting to, to be that, you know, I've, I've been, even in my family, I've been my, among my siblings. Um, I've always been known in the last years anyway, he's always been known as like the guy that does well. And I, I like that too. I like being able the one that like if any of my siblings ever need anything they always know they could call me and they'd have it in a heartbeat um so being able to you know one provide for my family and do things extraordinary for them so that when my wife wants to go do something it's never a question of hey can we do that should we do that or can we afford it or whatever it's always well do you want it or not i don't care um things like that have always been a big, big driving force for me and then having the means to um help when it's needed you know if you know, Josh comes to me tomorrow and says, Hey, I need to borrow a grand or whatever. It would, I could be like, sure, no problem. And being able to do that is really important to me as well. So I'd probably have some other piece that's motivating nice. in that aspect. Oh, and I, and I forgot the competition part when I was giving the summary. That's also a big piece of, of you is that competitive nature you have. I think, I think that what I, what I heard from what you just said was that, family, that competition. And then there's also this aspect of being able to serve when, when asked, being able to help and lift up others when, when it's asked or when it's needed. And that almost gives you this sense of, of accomplishment or pride or just satisfaction with, with who you've become. For sure. Still a lot of work to go, but definitely that's having the ability. You can't, you get hard to help someone else if you can't, if you haven't helped yourself, I find. That's interesting. So I, by the way, I'll just point out, I like the fact if, if Josh calls you the best in the world and you still say there's a, there's still a long way to go, that's the right, that's a good attitude. There's always an opportunity to learn and grow and do more or do something different. I mean, not, I don't mean, 
you now have to double your goals. It's just simply that you're continually growing and continually moving and doing and doing doing this over and over and doing it doing it right and having fun. Well, I I just I was so impressed by the attitude or the thought that you had of being able to learn something from everyone. I mean, you look at who who you are, what you've accomplished, what you've achieved, and just the idea of looking at other, other people, even people who haven't done as much as you have or, or accomplished what you have and looking to them for improvement and for what you can do to be better. That's, that's, that takes, that takes a, a really unique personality, I think to, to humble, humble yourself to learn from the lowest, lowest performers. You definitely can. For sure. And the the one last question I had was regarding you had said you learned a lot when you first started uh, being responsible for helping others. And so when you became that mentor to others, what what allowed you to be good at that? Or what 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 did what did you do that you thought, oh, this is a good way to I mean, I, I one of the issues is, or one of the things will be, Hey, I did exactly what my parents did. You know, I get out and I help them. Um, is there, is there something that sort of just, this became natural, this became just sort of something easy to do and you, you felt worked or did you, were there a couple of lessons you stumbled on before you really picked up what, what's the right way to help other people be successful? Um, you know, I think the first part of it was before I had started putting, before I got put into to kind of a leadership role where that was, you know, something, a task of mine. Um, people would ask, how do you do this? How do you do that? And I never really could have a good answer because I think I'd always say I was unconsciously competent. Um, I never really thought about what, what allowed me to be successful. And so I think first the opportunity to, one, ask some of my closest, you know, um, peers and my own mentors, they're like, hey, what do you see in me? What do you see that makes me different from other people? And then start thinking to myself, really breaking that down to be like, okay, what am I actually doing um, on a day-to-day basis? And then I think from there, it was a lot, a lot of just trial and error. Um, you know, at first, I've done it to where I've written out everything I've done on a piece of paper, basically, and say, hey, here's exactly what I do. Just copy it. And then, of course, a lot of time, no one ever does that. They just still go out and wing their crap. They don't listen. <laughs> so you're like, okay, that didn't work. Um, and then, you know, sometimes I think I find it to be what's where I go, okay, well, come watch me do what I do. Now, can you just copy it? And then sometimes that would work. Sometimes it wouldn't. And so I think it, a lot of it was just a, it was a trial and error. It was just a, hey, let me try this. Okay, that kind of worked. Didn't really work. Let me try this. And I tweaked that, tweaked that. Um, and I think it ended up being a combination of a number of things that is successful. Um, I think we're still trying to tweak that perfect formula. You know, the more copies of you, that you can make, the better. Um, but I think it's still a, a tweak. It's still in progress for sure. Mm. Beautiful. I like it. Um, so we, we hit the end. Is there, based on our questions and what we talked about, is there something we should have asked you that we didn't? Is there, how would you like to summarize uh, what we talked about today? That's a, that's a good question. Um, you know, I think if the purpose of this and the purpose of those listening to this is to maybe take um, a bit of something that I've said and implement it, um, even if it's one small piece. Um, I, I think the one aspect that 
people need to make sure they're always doing is go set your you know, your big audacious crazy goals but when you're doing that also don't forget to set what your bare minimum of level of acceptance is which should be a decent goal anyways and a lot of what i've always done is i say okay if my goal is to do 10 then my bare minimum every week if you know all the crap hits the fan say is five that means regardless of anything of excuses can't matter what happens I get five and some weeks I get 10, some weeks I get 13, whatever those numbers might be. But I set that baseline goal. And then regardless of what you need to do and what happens, you accomplish that baseline goal. I think more often than not, we end up being satisfied with getting somewhere in the ballpark of, you know, below baseline, above baseline, whatever. And the average of people always think they're doing better than what they usually are. And so I'd say, if anything, what's that, what do you, what's that bare minimum level of, um, success that you're okay with and then don't you dare go home without that i gotta practice that one particularly like on a, on a week like thanksgiving week where there are three working days got it i like it <laughs> especially that's that is especially appropriate for this week i guess that's but. true josh how would you like to summarize was this well, what you wanted this is exactly what I wanted. I, I, like I told you, when I, when I heard the little bit, there were a couple, maybe handful of questions at the end of, of that training that you did. I just, I was left wanting to know more, wanting to know more about what makes you tick, Richard. And I feel like we got a really just good look inside your thought process, inside your, your, the history of, of what's made you, you. And, it's interesting. There's some things that it seems like they're duplicable, like you said, and some things that it seems like it's just comes, comes naturally to you. But I think for the most part, from, from what you said, it sounded like everything just about is anybody can do. Anybody can, can take what you've done and try to, um, apply the same principles and by applying the same principles, they're going to achieve the same similar results. Yeah. I I think it's, I, I, what I liked was the, the continual, ah, (laughs) this is what I liked. Are you ready? So I, uh, I, I gave a, a TED talk this weekend and, and there were nine other people who gave their talks. One of the, one of the people who gave their talk was a 16 year old, obviously very gifted individual. And his talk was never grow up. And I think part of the component of the never grow up that I, that I heard you talk about, you're going to continue to learn. Anyone you talk to is an opportunity to learn from. Just because they're they're rich and powerful doesn't mean you can learn from them. They could be anybody. Um, even in your mentoring, what you learned is there's no one easy answer. You've got to try a number of different things because people learn from different ways. And I think that that mindset of the, that childlike mindset that says, hey, nobody knows the answer, so let's just keep trying stuff, um, is really what makes you you. And, and that's really powerful. And that, that, that's hard to bottle up, but that, that's a, 
learnable. That's not a teachable thing, but that is learnable if people decide that they really want to learn that. Now, pretty cool. Richard, and I do agree with you, Josh. I, even though it was a half hour, I, I felt like we had a real nice insight into you, Richard. I appreciate you being being you and being there and just opening up. Of course. I'm glad I had the opportunity. All right, guys. Well, thanks so much for joining us. I appreciate this episode of Grow Your 1099. I think it's very powerful for those that watch it. And uh, we'll see you at the next episode. Richard, have a happy Thanksgiving. Same to you, Josh. Great to uh, great to have this. Uh, okay, take care, too. everybody. Bye Thanks, now. This is Mitchell Levy, the AHA guy from AHA That. Thanks for listening to this episode of Grow Your 1099, where Josh Jones and I are helping to propel the door-to-door sales industry as one that's a great occupation. To learn more about Grow Your 1099, go to http colon slash slash aha.pub slash grow your 1099. And to learn more about creating and sharing your aha moments, go to ahathat.com slash author, where you can also find a link to book strategy session. You've been listening to C-Suite Radio. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.